This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. First up today, a perspective from Geneva, where Malaysia's human rights record is under the spotlight. Now, um, it's being examined by the United Nations... Okay, it's a mouthful, bear with me. The United Nations Human Rights Council's Universal Periodic Review Working Group. Um, for the fourth time, this is the fourth review that's happening. The delegation of Malaysia was led by Datuk Balachandran Tharman, who is the Deputy Secretary General of Multilateral Affairs in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. And in case you're wondering, the first, second and third UPRs of Malaysia were previously in uh, February 2009, October 2013, November 2018, and now. Yeah, so we previously had a conversation with uh, someone who's part of the Comango group, right? So this would be civil society organizations that are also part of the process. Uh, but, uh, and, and then yesterday, there was actually the session. And that session was interesting. It's already produced some headlines, uh, Lynn, including the fact that uh, the Malaysian government has worked very hard to reduce the number of child marriages. So there was just one headline uh, uh, noting that child marriages in Selangor had been reduced by some 86% because of a program that the government has uh, put in place uh, to ex- handle exactly that. Also, the government's come out uh, with statements, uh, and this was made uh, at the session yesterday, that they stand for human rights and development because they see them as sort of feeding into each other. So this is, of course, um, necessary. And I think that it's also an interesting time to be having this conversation. Of course, it's happening because, well, we're under review. But another part of it is the question about human rights is an interesting one, because in our country, I think it's often regarded as important, but important in the abstract, not necessarily important in the immediate sense. People tend to say, well, yes, you know, human rights matters, but what about the economy, <laughs> you know, or or there's, there's all of that swirling around the question of human rights. And the process of the UPR requires an actual explanation of what's been done, an explanation of what's been put in place, what effect that has had, you know. And I think that that at least for us here in the country also, is useful to know because it means that when the government says things like we're very committed to human rights, you're uh, you're able to see the ways in which they have to quantify that because they're forced by the process to do so. Yeah, so at the end of the process, and it hasn't happened yet for this particular review, is that there's going to be recommendations. The recommendations uh, that are going to be made to Malaysia to improve their human rights record. Uh, that is, I think, happening next week. But as you say, because it puts on the record what needs to be uh, worked on, you can actually track whether your government uh, has improved their record or has backtracked or has made promises and then not kept them. Uh, And because the larger question is, you know, does this process also help activists? And I think Malaysia can credit itself with having a very strong human rights community, Mm -hmm. uh, help them in their advocacy work, in, in fact, pushing the needle when it comes to improving the human rights situation. So we're going to be joined very shortly by Gerald Joseph, who is the director of Pusat Komas, also the co-secretariat of Comango, um, to talk us through this process and what has happened. But let us know in the meantime, how do you think Malaysia has done and is doing in terms of human rights? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 18 789 and tweet us at BFM Radio.
Bring forth Mula, BFM 89.9. It is 5.13 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about um, the UPR, which we've just undergone for, Malaysia has just undergone for the fourth time uh, in Geneva. And we're going to be hearing from someone on ground. Let us know in the meantime, how do you think Malaysia has done when it comes to this issue of human rights? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at PFM Radio. Speaking with us now, we have Gerald Joseph, Director of Pusat Comas, also Co-Secretariat of Comango. Gerald, thanks for taking the time and speaking with us today. Good morning from Geneva. Ah, so that gets us right on ground because we understand that Malaysia's session uh, was held yesterday. Give us a sense of where you are in Geneva at the moment. Uh, well, the session ended at 6pm. It's a three and a half hour session for governments. Uh, I think you may, may have heard it. It was live online and so... Government has now taken uh, all this document and all the recommendations and they are doing work and civil society and Sohakam was also here. So I think we are all on the way back already because the work now is to hope government says yes to as many good recommendations as, as they can. Right, Gerald, I understand the recommendation process happens uh, next week. But before we get to that, I just a very quick question. Why is this happening in Geneva and not at the United Nations headquarters in New York? Uh, the Geneva is a seat for the Human Rights Council for the UN. So this is where all the human rights uh, related matters uh, take place. And so the Universal Periodic Review UPR is part of a human rights council process. So that's why Geneva becomes uh, the center. And of course, like uh, New York, uh, here there are also governments uh, represented. Every government is also has a, has a flag, has a seat here at this uh, UN building. Now, the Malaysian government delegation is being led by Datuk Balachandran Tharman from Wisma Putra's Department of Multilateral Affairs. And the delegation defended the government record, saying that since 2018, a total of 26 laws and regulations have either been repealed or revised, or new ones developed as the government continues to provide space for society to exercise their human rights and fundamental freedoms. How did Comango respond to this? So uh, I think uh, this is cycle number four. So this is like 20 years down the road from, from, from when it started. And of course, uh, we've had uh, uh, changes. Uh, we've had monumental change to our political process in 2018. And so uh, many laws, regulations that have been revealed, uh, repealed, revised. Uh, we know that. And, it, and it's on record. And we, we are happy and proud. We have uh, Undi 18. We have the uh, moratorium on death sentences and many of the uh, death row prisoners are now being um, uh, retrial, uh, resentenced again. Uh, new law, sexual offences law. So the list was was pronounced yesterday, and and I think um, you know, we are proud to say that there have been some uh, some changes uh, that has happened and should rightfully happen because this is what a UPR is. You know, the peers, government speaks to government and remind government that they should do better and they give recommendations. So yesterday you saw 134 governments. Eh? And they only had 55 seconds to rush through whatever good and proposals they had to make. So, so on that list, uh, I have no qualms uh, stating proudly that we have uh, a list of changes that has happened in the last few years. Uh, I mean, we heard the decriminalization of suicide, anti-stalking law, uh, Suhakam report, I know report was uh, debated for the second time. 
but uh, and also the discussion on freedom of information. So many are in the pipeline, and I, we, we take note. But uh, that is uh, where we are at this point. But UPR pushes us to do more to take up issues that are not mentioned by the government in their response uh, yesterday. Yeah, before we get to that, Gerald, uh, there was another report that that had the government saying that, and I quote here, as a developing country, we will continue to prioritise human rights with development as both are mutually reinforcing and we will do so with the federal constitution being our guiding instrument. It's an interesting statement of uh, principle. Do you think that, uh, that this, in fact, this statement of principle, um, you know, coincides with facts on the ground, with how government actually, uh, you know, does its governing? If I close my eyes, it would sound like it was 30 years ago when uh, Mahathir's government had also said that that uh, we prioritize development over rights, but now they've put development and rights, which is a, which is a shift. But for me, uh, development and rights are not two separate entities. Development is a right. The uh, sustainable development goal is to ensure we get human rights. So government trying to frame it that we need to balance, for me, it's uh, 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 a framing that needs to be questioned. What is that to balance? Both are a rights framework. The development means the right to housing, right to healthcare access. You know, I can go down the list of all the development indicators that are actually human rights indicators as well. So to say that we want to balance this too, for me, is basically reaffirming that you are committed to human rights, but not to use it as a reason for delaying human rights commitment, which is normally the case. Uh, as you know, 30 years ago, we had this Asian value debate. Many governments used to use that as a way to not move forward. So I think uh, that uh, positioning was trying to give us a way out to say, well, don't push us too much. But I think after four rounds of UPR, we need to push you more. And in light of that, uh, what key issues did Komango want to highlight to the international community? I think um, the the list is long, as you know. Uh, Some things Malaysian government successively have not wanted to touch. And I think... uh, uh, the issues of racism, freedom of religion, it's been tough. The long list of colonial colonial laws while we fight colonialization, but we celebrate these horrible laws. Uh, we've, we've shied away from being a member, a respectable member of the international community by being only ratifying three of the core human rights treaty while most of our neighbors have done four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know. And uh, so there's also a question about issues of uh, children's protection, gender equality, rights, uh, human rights defenders get prosecuted by those laws, LGBT persecution. So we have a deep concern for some of these lingering issues that have never been tackled uh, in a deeper way, and it needs to move forward. And I think yesterday we heard many of their colleagues their governments from both Asia, ASEAN, and also the world, actually reminding Malaysia we are doing well, but there's still a long list uh, to, to move forward with. Gerald, we have a message from Mama Chani who says that uh, with regard to the Universal Periodic Reviews, but indigenous uh, hu- uh, people's rights still have not been addressed since the Suhakam report of uh, 2013. What? Yes. Uh, it, your question is... Why has it not been reported? Uh, Indeed, uh, and that was Indeed, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're right, uh, Sharad. Uh, yesterday, I think not less than about 
10 governments reminded Malaysia of the commitment to the Indigenous Peoples' Right, ILO's 169 Convention. Why don't we get on board with that? Uh, cultural identity, education, land rights. So there was a, quite a loud pronouncement. Hey, uh, Malaysia does it well, but on the ground, we are getting feedback that it's not doing well enough. And I think uh, Shani has pointed it out that despite us having a framework uh, of the uh, the report of Suhakam, the National Land Inquiry, uh, the Malaysian government has started the processes, but you know, processes have been so long and then you question why so long. I think there was a reply by by the Ministry of Rural Development on showing their indicators of helping indigenous young people to get vocational training, to go to school, to move. Great, and I think we recognize that that's the way to move forward but the core issue of land rights recognition, that's really, really slow and that needs to be addressed. So the three country representatives that uh, are serving as rapporteurs for the review of Malaysia are Argentina, Eritrea and Vietnam. Why were these countries chosen for our review? I think there's uh, nothing specific, not targeted at Malaysia. It's uh, Everybody has to do their duty. Uh, every UPR, uh, three countries from three different continents, uh, continents are, are, are brought together as, uh, like we call it, AJK, like not Jawatan Kwasa, to manage the procedure. This is to make it more fair, so it's not controlled either by the UN or one particular chair or government. So this committee is like a, a procedural bureaucratic uh, committee that signs on to make sure everything follows the letter of the law of the procedure. So they don't have any uh, powers to amend to do anything more, but they are there to ensure process and procedures are followed thoroughly. They will give, when they say they give the report, they will make sure the compiled report is put on time. What was said is actually reflected there and then they will sign off on it. That's what these uh, three countries' uh, role is for this round. Right. So of the countries that did have uh, their 55 seconds in the sun, uh, how many of them were, you know, and getting a chance to kind of comment on the Malaysian situation, who were the most critical? Which are the most critical countries and what were they bringing up? Uh, I think it's hard. I mean, I think if you understand the dynamics of UPR, um, some friendly governments would say many good things and not push the pin a bit too hard. You know? And I really hope uh, governments don't do that anymore because this is a desired outcome is for you to actually say how to improve. So the well, no, some of our friendly it could be Asian, African, some, not all, no. But uh, if I had gone through the list, uh, well, you you heard the Europe, US, some African country, Asian gave very specific uh, recommendations. So I'm not going to name anyone in particular, but I'm going to say that I was happy to hear the listing of uh, what was put on uh, on the table, and I think this is what needs to get to the Malaysian government. We cannot hide and trying to find reasons to delay five years. You know, I, I saw it yesterday when I was sitting in the hall, listening and uh, like four or five main clusters of issue that kept repeating itself. Number one, treaty ratification. Why have we not even signed the Convention Against Torture? We are part of like, I think the last 20 in the world. And even in the Islamic countries, you know, only Iran and Malaysia has not ratified this. You know, the rest have uh, ratified, and even Brunei has signed on it. And why, why we are still there? You know, so so that was repeated, and they gave the whole list of ratification of other treaties. I'm just picking one, even UN CAD or enforced disappearance. 
there was repeats on refugee and migrant workers so many times. I think, uh, you, anyway, you can't hide things now. You just Google, you get the details on the ground. And UPR also equalizes information and power, which means submissions by, I think if you go to the UN website, there's about like 20 uh, or 30 NGOs submitted individually. Then there are another 20 coalitions that submitted. So we had like 50 inputs into the process. So all these details are out there and it's public a document, no more a secret document. So they hear this, governments know exactly what's happening. They reminded us about refugee protection, ask for Malaysia to be part of a refugee regime, either ratify or have your own framework. And the even specific mentions such as give UNHCR access, find a way for education for the children of, uh, of refugees while in Malaysia. I think these are the basic things that we heard over and over. And another big cluster that I was quite surprised that the world reminds us of this is child marriage. They said, let's get on with the job force, making sure 18 is the, the, the age of marriage and let's work at that and the delay. Female genital mutilation that has come up previously has come up in the CEDAW reporting, uh, although it's probably a small phenomena, big phenomena, but they said uh, it is not accepted globally and Malaysia should move, move on with it. Children's uh, sexual abuse, children's exploitation, gender equality, LGBTIQ was also brought up to such specific details like stop conversion therapy, change your laws that prosecute. And so, so the list goes on as much as laws on sedition, porta, poca, indigenous people protection. So when I heard that in the hall, I realized, wow, Actually, this is what we do. Most NGOs in Malaysia or Sohakam and groups who know human rights have been asking for this and the world agrees with us. Let's move on with it. And I really hope Malaysian government will find ways to move on with it, not find ways to give reasoning for delay for these protections. Gerald, we have a couple of minutes left with you and, and what's happening next is that the UPR Working Group is scheduled to adopt the recommendations for Malaysia next Wednesday and then during this period, the Malaysian government can express its position on said recommendations. So what do you anticipate will be the outcome and perhaps you can also help us understand whether these recommendations are in fact legally binding or enforceable? So uh, the process that has been triggered out from yesterday is that uh, it's actually a whole listing of recommendations. This listing is then given to the government to actually deliberate and they have time until uh, June to, for the final adoption. But in the next few days, they also have an opportunity to actually quickly say, uh, we are going to go ahead and move ahead with some of this. So uh, I think the team, Datuk Bala's team is still in Geneva. They're probably working on it now. And let's hope that they can already announce some very quickly, uh, which means they, they, our commitment is faster. But the longer list, the civil society, Comengo, Comas, uh, Swaram as secretary, the Bar Council is also here, will have to go and dive deep and work with the government to encourage them, to push them, to take it up. And if it's difficult, let's handle it. Let's have a timeline for it. And this is what uh, we hope uh, will be the, uh, the outcome. So we have a longer list of yes and a shorter list of uh, no's. Because uh, some governments... Uh, just say no, no, no. And Malaysia has been having quite many no's uh, before. And so we really hope that uh, coming home to Malaysia, we should have a few more rounds of meeting with the uh, government. But I think I want to end by also saying that uh, we cannot just let Wisma Putra, uh, foreign ministry uh, 
find the resolution because yesterday I think there were about 27 Malaysian officials there from AGC and you saw some of it, Bayou, Ministry, Sarawak, uh, State Secretary, Sabah. They have a role to ensure human rights get down to the ground and they have to find ways to move it forward, not to block uh, this. And this is where I think we get into trouble and this is where I call on Prime Minister Anwar and his cabinet uh, to also get on board, you know, uh, because uh, yesterday they proudly announced, and I'm very happy to hear that, that uh, as part of their commitment to human rights, they are in, uh, going to welcome the High Commissioner for Human Rights for an official visit to Malaysia sometime in June. And that will be a great opportunity for us to work through the difficult issues. And I know in Malaysia, we have human rights group that push for a whole list. And we also have those that are not very comfortable with human rights that use cultural or religious arguments against it. And maybe it's time for us to sit on our together and say, what is it that you're not agreeing? Because you cannot uh, defend human rights of one group, uh, uh, both Malaysia and overseas, and then forget another group who is oppressed. And I think it's time we need to defend the universality of human rights if Malaysia is going to be a proud standing man, uh, member of the world as part of our Madani society that uh, this government is pushing forward. Gerald, thank you so much for speaking with us. That was Gerald Joseph, Director of Pusat Komas and also Co-Secretariat of Komango, taking us through uh, Malaysia's fourth cycle of the UPR. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.